I'm Nevada basketball's Jordan Caroline, and you listen to Pack Center. What's up, Wolfpack? Thanks for tuning in to Pack Center. I'm your host, Jordan Burns, here with the sports scholar, Garrett Hirschberg. It's week two of the new semester, and I hope everyone is doing well despite Nevada's loss this weekend against Northwestern. An unexpected narrative feat to the Wildcats. Garrett's got the rundown on that. It was a tough loss for Wolfpack fans to swallow because the game was so close for so much of the game. Nevada did lose, as Jordan mentioned, 31-20, to but Nevada led for the entire first half of the game in parts of the third quarter. It was just a back-and-forth game, and... It was it was just tough, and Nevada just could not was not able to pull ahead late. One one interesting fact to note was that Ty Gandy got the starting job over David Cornwell. Yeah, that was really interesting because we talked about last week on our show that all everything indicated that Cornwell was going to be the starter. I mean, they recruited him heavily in the off season, and they and he really fits Matt Mummy's scheme, you know, but. Somehow, Mr. 300 got the uh, starting position for uh, Saturday's game, and I think that was a, came to a big surprise for a lot of people. But honestly, for me, I think that's the best. That's the right choice. I wouldn't. First off, I wouldn't call Mr. 300 quite yet. He has to earn that nickname. He played okay, is the best way to describe it. He didn't play bad. He didn't play great. Um, he his first stat line: 16 of 37, 199 yards, two TDs, one pick. Uh, QBR 39.8, which is not good. Yeah, I think his QBR doesn't kind of doesn't give him justice, though. He played better than that, if you ask me. I mean, 199 yards passing isn't bad, and, and two touchdowns, that, that, that's not a terrible day, especially for us playing against Northwestern, which is a game that we expected to lose by a lot more than we did. Yeah, but in an air raid-style offense, you expect 300-plus yards of passing, now, that one interception Ganji threw was all his fault. He tried making a read into double coverage near the end zone. On this drive, Nevada made a good job driving downfield, driving downfield, and then they were in the red zone, threw a double, threw a pick to the safety, uh, Kyle uh, Quiro. It was just a really bad decision by Ganji. He, he tried forcing something, and it just wasn't there. And that's something that we've seen a lot from Ganji. We talked about this even last week with, what we saw at the Silver and Blue game, he struggles with his clutch decision-making, especially in the, in the red zone. He 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 just tends to try to fit the ball in tight spaces, and he doesn't quite have the accuracy of the arm to do it. He's got – he's very versatile quarterback. You know, he's got a lot of options that he, he can run. He can pass pretty – he can pass decently, but he's not – but he's not – he's not fantastic. He's not – he's no Peyton Manning, you know. Yeah, no, and last year we saw, especially with Gangeal, his legs got used a lot more. This game he only had four rushes for 16 yards. But one thing I saw a lot from Ganji is there were times that on deep balls he would miss, he would just overthrow the receiver. Like, And these were plays that could have been gone for touchdowns because he, the receiver had two or three steps on the defender. Let's not forget, Ganji hit a couple, a couple deep passes. He threw... Threw into McLean Mannix, a true freshman. He had a had a big touchdown, forty one yards. And I think that, especially as time goes on and the comfort, uh, the more comfortable he gets with this offense, the better he'll be. I mean, they were playing a very tough secondary defense here, so I believe 
I can see why some of the passes were overthrown. I'm sure he was trying to to lead his receiver, especially he had a couple steps over, but he, he missed the trajectory a little bit. He overthrew it, uh, as you said, and that's something that's going to have to get worked out as the season progresses. Um, do I see Ty Ganji keeping this position? I don't think it's set in stone that Ty Ganji's the starter. No, I don't. I don't think Ganji will be the starter this entire season, especially if he starts struggling early. I think next week could be this week could be a determ- uh, determinant because first home game, you're not playing a big school like Northwestern. You're going up against, like, in theory, our conference is the Mountain West is better than the MAC. So, in theory, we should beat them. Mm-hmm. But if we struggle against Toledo and then next week against Idaho State, I think that Ganji's going to get the uh, pulled earlier, earlier than later. And I still stick by my prediction in saying that this first game at home is going to be a struggle. I think it's definitely going to take a little bit more time to get uh, – into the rhythm of this offense and this new defensive scheme. See, I think that the rhythm, they've, they had a really good rhythm last week. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think they come out and beat Toledo. Toledo is currently nine-point favorites. Um, I think that it's the first home game. Everyone's going to be there. It's the running of the Wolves, which is a tradition by freshmen. Enough about Ty Ganji. I think that we're going to see a lot more of him coming up. But I think if he doesn't... Uh, step it up and hit his Mr. 300 any, uh, in the next game or two. We're going to see Cornwell in there as the starting position. But I want to talk about Jackson Kincaid because that was something that I was wor- worried about in this new air raid offense is where the run is going to be. And I think that my my fears were were set aside in this game because Jackson did amazing. 15 carries for 86 yards, which he didn't have a lot of yards, but he didn't have a lot of carries either. And that's a 5.7 yards per carry uh, average, and that's really good. That's uh, first down every two runs, and that's really what you want to see from your speed back. Yeah, you look at this. Um, Nevada as a whole ran ran the ball 26 times. Look at Northwestern. Justin Jackson, their star running back, who we talked about last week, ran the ball 30 times. He ran the ball more than we did. And so I think uh, Jackson Kincaid provided those explosive plays, those shifty plays, there was a time in the first in the first half where um, Jackson Kincaid um, busted a run uh, through the through the middle of the offensive line for 31 yards, which then set up a, a Ganji touchdown pass to Wyatt Demps, a 10-yard touching pass, touchdown pass. So I think um, Jackson Kincaid is one of those running backs who's who's going to be really exciting for fans because mm-hmm. he's going he's got the moves, he's quick on his feet, and I think that. With him and Kelton Moore, they can be an explosive one-two punch. Yeah, and I think that the way that we run our offense, Kincaid is definitely going to have that extra advantage because we're passing so often that the run play is kind of a second thought for for our, for a defense that's playing against us. So when he when he takes those first steps, when he gets that run, the defense isn't necessarily expecting it, which gives him that extra bit of time to to get those yards. He had one explosive play in the first quarter for 31 yards. And I really, really expect to see more of that as the season progresses. And I want to see him get more receptions in the backfield at um, some screen plays. I think that will be a key for Nevada if the line can stay on top of it. Yeah, you're right. One thing looking at this offense, that they did not win the time, the possession battle. They had 21, only 21 minutes of possession. And that's one thing I think that Mummy, Matt Mummy like, was trying to stress to us, that they wanted to have 
the ball in their hand hands as much as possible to keep their defense off the field. Well, it's it was the complete opposite. You saw there were drives where the offense would go three and out, punt, and that just did nothing. And plus, Nevada didn't lose the turnover battle. It was two to two, but you would you would like to see the defense and the turnovers go in favor of Nevada because you win the you win the turnover battle, you normally win the game. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier uh, in in your quick little rundown saying that uh, we were leading in the first half. Going into halftime, we were up, but we came back and we had two drives back-to-back, three and out. And that's really what changed the momentum, and that's what uh, cost us that game. Yeah, you're right. We got a score right before halftime. Um, and so that I thought that with all this momentum going into half, especially with us getting ball – getting the ball I thought we would have got a first drive touchdown and that might have almost sealed the game I thought that we could have rode this momentum and scored more points and come out of Evanston with a victory yeah but we just kind of fell flat in the second half and that really took us back but I want to talk a little bit about our defense now now we've talked about our offense and I think the defense played uh extremely well against the run they played better than we thought um you remember last year, obviously, with the horrid run defense. Mm-hmm. The run defense was actually good good today, as I mentioned. Um, the only allowing Justin Jackson, 30 rushes, 109 yards. That's like that's like 3.3 yards a carry, which isn't phenomenal, but it's not bad. So I think that we've definitely seen some improvement with the linebacking core, the defense, the D line, and the and the secondary. To, to make an effort to stop the run because that's something that's big in the Mountain West. Yeah, and Justin Jackson is not an easy person to tackle. No, man. He he broke so many tackles. It took like two or three guys to tackle him. If you had him in open space, good luck. Yeah, but our gang tackling was, did really well. I think we were, a lot of us, a, a lot of our defense were able to get on the ball quick. And that's one thing I think that having a fast defense is good, and especially in a 3-3-5, you're allowing it so you have more DBs and more linebackers, more DBs so they can fly to the ball. DBs are t- usually faster, so they can f- swarm. Mm-hmm. And speaking of our secondary, I think Asani Rufus did amazing, especially being able to force a fumble from Justin Jackson and then recover it. Yeah, he straight punched the ball out of Justin Jackson's hands, and that's something that I didn't think would happen. Made a great play. Uh, Nevada was able to recover. And another uh, secondary uh, Elijah Moody with that interception. Yeah, coming off what I mentioned earlier with Ganji's pick, he threw that in the red zone. Um, and then Elijah Moody was able to get great field possession for the Wolfpack with that interception, which ultimately set up the Spencer Pettit field goal. But other than those couple plays, I think the secondary wasn't necessarily the, the star of the game. No, I think that the secondary learn has to learn from this experience and realize that not everyone's going to have the same type of offense that Northwestern has. Northwestern relies on these big plays. Uh, they had a uh, first first score of the game was a forty one yard touchdown pass. So I think that not everyone in college football or not even Nevada plays is going to have these big time school plays or rely on these. Some schools rely on the running game a lot. Other schools. Re- why have an air raid offense? Yeah, I think that Northwestern isn't necessarily the run of the mill Mountain West team, so it's kind of hard to look at these guys to look at this game and expect 
what we're going to see against teams like UNLV and San Diego State and San Jose State, um, especially with a quarterback like Clayton Thorson, who yeah. just ran all he, over he us. He killed us. He killed us. 28 of, 30, 28 of 38, 352, two TDs, one interception, and two rushing touchdowns, which ultimately, which ultimately put the game away. Two rushing touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So, plus... We're not going to see a bunch of schools. We see a few schools that have veteran quarterbacks, like in uh, Washington State, Luke Falk, uh, veteran quarterback. But Clayton Thorson's been around this program a while. He's used to this offense. He knows what he's doing, and he just had a phenomenal game. Yeah, so let's talk about Toledo now. I think this is going to be uh, an interesting game. We have, we're have we split on this one, Gary. We don't really know. We are. I, I believe that we're going to lose, and I feel like a terrible fan for saying that, but I— Think that it's, t- but my reasoning is that it's going to take one more game to kind of work out the kinks before we start playing at a at a really high level. Uh, but you disagree. You think Toledo not so fast. <laughs> but you think Toledo is going to be uh, an easy win for us, a hard win for us. What do you think? It's going to be a three point victory for the Wolfpack. I'm not giving a score because I have no idea. Um, but I think that Nevada rallies behind the crowd, the momentum. I think that fans are now excited for this new offense, um, new coaching staff. Um, I think that this, with this offense, it gives pe- it gives people a reason to get in seats because it is exciting. You don't know how many yards uh, the quarter, how many yards the team's going to put up, or how many points. Especially in the air raid style offense, they have a tendency to score 50, 60 points a game, and I think that this game probably is going to be a shootout. Yeah, but Gary, I think you're you're underestimating Toledo. They're coming out as nine point five point favorites, and they beat Elon forty seven to thirteen. So they've already started off their season strong. Yeah, but how much can you take away from Elon University? Like they're not they're not to the level that we are. I mean, still, but I think looking at any team that can score forty seven points in a game has some sort of potential. Yeah, that's true. But I do think that momentum and crowd noise is going to play a huge, huge factor. And if if you're saying that, then the momentum's in uh, Toledo's favor because Nevada lost last week. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that since it's the game's at home for Nevada, I think that they're going to play to the fact that they're going to have loud fans at the first home game of the year. You're going to have a bunch of freshmen there. And I think that it's... Nevada, Mackie might sell out. That's something that never happened last year. And that's something I'm kind of interested to see is because what looking at last year and the numbers that we brought in, there was virtually no fans there. I mean, there was a, a thousand or so fans there in, in a 10,000 fan stadium. And I'm afraid that that culture, I'd say, might roll over into this year, but I think that they've done a really good job marketing with Norvell and that the the Nevada grit the Nevada grit is going to bring people in uh but it's kind of up in the air so what what kind of of home field advantage are we really going to have I'm not sure yeah and looking at both teams um Toledo's got a good quarterback in Logan Woodside uh, against Elon as 19 of 31 314 um I just think the I I don't I just I made this gut decision that Nevada was going to beat Toledo, so I'm sticking with my gut. Pack by three. 
I think we both have really good reasons to think the way that we do. You, Toledo is in a the MAC isn't necessarily uh, as in good as good a of powerhouse a, conference. Not necessarily a powerhouse conference as as the Mountain West is. You know, Mountain West isn't isn't like up there, but it's better than the MAC. However, I say that we're gonna lose because we, we're still working out the kinks and we're we're running off uh, no momentum going into this game. But uh, I think there is momentum. Just there are some positives to take away from Northwestern and use towards this game. I guess it depends on how you look at it, right? Uh, I'm sure Norvell's trying to spin it to uh, a positive like you are, but personally, I think that they're going to struggle. And but and again, I think it's only going to be a three point game, a three to seven point game, a one score at the so most. So take Nevada. So take Nevada on the line. So yeah, exactly. Actually. Disclaimer: Don't take, don't listen to us for about gambling advice. We know nothing. That's true. We're not even twenty-one. Actually, Garrett's twenty-one, but I'm not. Shh, they don't know. Uh, so yeah, and again, that's the first home game. And uh, any freshman listening, don't forget to go check out the running of the wolves. Uh, I didn't go my freshman year, but Garrett went. It was a bunch of fun. You get free shirts. Yeah, I missed out on the shirts. Everyone had their free shirts, and I was like, oh, I don't have mine. <laughs> Uh, something historic happened this week in the Mountain West, though, and I that's, think that's very rare that you say something historic in Mountain West. In it. <laughs> it, it's very rare. <laughs> it is very rare, but and I think this is ex- extremely relevant for Nevada, particularly because UNLV lost to Howard in the biggest upset in NCAA history, right? Yeah, and Howard is an FCS school, and. It's not like they were playing, like, one of the top FCS schools. Like, you remember last year, Cal Poly took us to overtime? Mm-hmm. Cal Poly went on to make the FCS playoffs. Howard has been historically bad. The last two seasons, they went 3-19. and 19. They were, Howard, Howard relied on Cam Newton's little brother, Kalen, to lead them to victory. I mean, you're gonna get, if you're going to get led to victory by anyone... You'd want it to be Cam Newton's little brother. Yeah. Uh, I just think that UNLV was favored by 45 points, mm-hmm. which is which now set, breaks a record that goes back 10 years from when Stanford was 43. This was Jim Harbaugh's first season at Stanford. They were 43-point underdogs to USC. They went to L.A., beat SC. And this, this, is, this is, as a Nevada fan, this is funny to like look at because – we we were trolling we were trolling uh UNLV on our Twitter at Pack Center NV. But I think if you place a hundred dollar bet at one point during this game, you could have won seventy one thousand dollars. That's incredible. I, I, I wish I had had bet on this game. At least like fifty bucks, you know. But oh, 10. ten. Seven bu- ten, ten bucks is seven seven grand. Ten bucks is seven grand? Man, I missed out. I bet someone made out like a bandit on this game, though. Probably because no one, no one expects Howard, like no one expected Howard to win. Like this is like an incredible thing. Like Appalachian State beating Michigan, Stanford beating USC ten years ago. For God's sake, this week Liberty beat Baylor. That I, was an upset. I think the Stanford USC game was a little bit more. Uh, could go either way because it's two big name schools, you know. But we got UNLV, yeah. which is a somewhat of a big name school. I think it's one of the, I think it's 
sometimes I think UNLV is even more famous than Nevada is when you, in, when you when you look outside of the Mountain West. When you look outside of the Mountain West, it is, it is but it's only for basketball. Nevada has been the powerhouse football school in the state mm-hmm. because you look at what Kaepernick did, you look at what Chris Alt did in the creation of the pistol. Um, Nevada's had so many, so many more winning seasons. But I think a lot of people that are out of the, the Mountain West loop would put their money on UNLV because they don't act, they don't really understand what Nevada is. When I was telling people I'm going to the University of Nevada when I when I was becoming a freshman, people were like, "Oh, you're moving to Vegas?" Oh, so I got this. I was like, uh, I was like, no. "No, I'm moving to Reno." Eight, and I, I and they're like, like, "Where's that?" <laughs> yeah, I'm like eight hours north. Yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, no, I'm in the same boat as you. I would talk to friends like, "You're going to Vegas? You live in Vegas?" I'm like, "No." No. But, but I think that this this might be used as motivate. I wouldn't say motivation, but like as like a la- like UNLV might be the laughing stock of Mountain West football now. Oh, I'm sure the locker room they're here. They're making so many. I games. don't think I don't think you can take it seriously. Like, could you imagine the locker room after that game in UNLV? <laughs> I don't. I don't even think they know what hit him. Like, like. No. But w- let's think. Let's think about this uh, from our perspective. What does this say about the final game of the of the year when we play for, when we play the rivalry game? Is it even going to be a game? I don't know whether it's a game, but I think that Nevada has to take has to take every game seriously because if not, you can have a slip up like mm-hmm. UNLV losing to Howard, and I don't want to see the cannon painted red again. So let's just keep the cannon blue. Yeah, I want to see it stay here for sure. Um, but I think we've we've roasted on UNLV enough. There's never there's there's never enough roasting of UNLV on this show. You're kind of right, but we have a special guest on our show this week. Uh, as though, uh, one of our favorite guests, I think, is Jordan Caroline. He's in the studio with us. JC, thanks again for joining us on Pack Center. Really nice to have you on again. So you're got a couple months until till uh, season starts again. How's the off season been going? Uh, it's been going pretty good, you know, with the Costa Rica trip. We had a great chance to build team chemistry, you know, get some of the rust off for the new guys who haven't played in a year. So the offseason has been going pretty good. How was Costa Rica? Um, It was nice. You know, it was my first time out of the country. It's my first time seeing the rainforest. So, you know, that was cool. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, it looked like a great trip. Gary, you have anything to say? Um, Yeah. How did uh, the players who sat out last year look, like the Martins, House Cook, um, how, how did they play? They played really well. Obviously, the first game, you know, they had a little rust, but after that, they're they're just look like they're in midseason form. Honestly, they were playing really well. They look like they haven't missed a beat. They actually improved a lot, even over the summer. Yeah, I think here at Paxton, we're really excited to see these Martin twins uh, in action. I think, especially because we've lost Cam Oliver and stuff, it's going to be a really new team coming in, especially at the starting position. Do you think they'll be able to step up and replace that high fire um, attitude that Cam Oliver brought to the team? Uh, yeah, no doubt. You know, missing Cam is obviously a big piece. But, I mean, with them, too, especially, they're they're really good on-ball defenders. So, I feel like we won't really miss a beat in a sense defensively, and I think we'll be fine, and I know they'll be ready to play. Nevada basketball has a high turnaround for off, for co- assistant coaches. How is it knowing that you probably won't have an assistant coach the next year, and how are these new assistant coaches? Well, this is my third year, so, you know, I'm I'm used to it in a sense. But, like, every year we've had good assistant coaches. Like, I've, I've always liked the coaching staff every year. So, the same thing with this year is some new guys, but I'm already, I already like them a lot. Today, or the schedule came out, and is there any intriguing matchups to you uh, for non-conference? 
Um, non-conference, I would have to say Southern Illinois, just because that's my old school. So <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> any any hard feelings or no? No, not necessarily. <laughs> you guys play some uh, big time schools like uh, Davidson, Rhode Island, Texas Tech, uh, TCU. Are what should Pack fans be expecting this year? Um, definitely very high intense defense. You know. I think our on-ball defense will be a lot better than it was last year, and just uh, just the pressure we bring defensively as a whole will be a lot different. What improve? Speaking of defense, what improvements have you seen out of Josh Hall? Um, Josh is just a lockdown defender, and he just gets his hands on all, like just on any pass. It seems like. Do you think there's going to be any new rising stars that we haven't seen before for next season? Um, Josh is definitely one to look out. I think he's going to have a really big breakout year. And also Kendall. I think Kendall will have a big breakout year. And then obviously the Twins. So it's a, it's a lot of people that be, so you should have on your radar. Have you found yourself really taking in that leadership position? Yeah, I have. I've been making it a point to be more vocal this offseason, just, you know, in all aspects of our, our team stuff, like not like on the court and off the court, just trying to, you know, just be more vocal in that leadership role. What have you personally been working on for your game coming next season? Um, just my IQ and reading plays and whatnot, like when to when to force the issue and when not to. That's really my biggest thing I've been working on. Is that something you found to be a challenge last season? Yeah, sometimes I would get myself in trouble by overdriving, so I've just been just working on reading plays and seeing where the defense is at. Have you seen a lot of improvement? Yeah, I have. It's been a it's been a pretty good offseason for me. I learned a lot. That's great. And the new assistant coaches, have they been helping you? Like, what, where's a lot of the help been coming from? Has it been self-taught? Uh, no, it's been assistant coaches as well as our GAs. You know, we just got a great support staff. So, you know, everybody's there to help you. So, you just got to grab one of the guys. Now, speaking of summer, you guys obviously went to Costa Rica. Did you go home anytime or were you in Reno the entire summer? I was in Reno the whole entire summer. I kind of want to go back and talk a little bit about Cam because Cam was a huge part of last season. And now that he's um, – playing in the NBA. I want to know what kind of advice he's maybe giving you from the top down. Um, you know, he just is like it's a business at the next level, so you just got to really prepare yourself and um take care of what you can and just handle yourself in a professional manner. Has he been taking that uh that business aspect um well? Yeah, he has. He's made that transition pretty well. And do you think that you might be able to follow in his footsteps and go pro as well? Uh hopefully, eventually that's the goal. <laughs> And we've seen, obviously, through on Twitter and whatnot, that Nevada has landed some big transfers. Um, who out of the this next transfer that has to sit out a year is a player to watch? Um, honestly, they're all really good. Jazz has been the biggest surprise, I would say to me. He's uh, he's an undersized point guard, but he's strong. He can run the he can run the point. He can score. He can make plays. But I mean, as a as a whole group, they're all really talented. Now has must. Must change his coaching style in the slightest bit due to the fact that with a new group of players and new group of assistants and the loss of Cam. No, not at all. You know, we still have the same. We're still the same. Have the same DNA. You know, play tough, play hard, run and gun. So that that always stay the same. Are you hopeful you guys will do just as well or, or even better uh, this year than you did last? Um, the goal is always to improve on the season before. So um, as I feel like as long as we just keep building, we'll be fine. Do you have any season? Well, do you have any season goals for yourself and the team? Um, you know, just make a run in the tournament this time. Not just get there. That's the biggest thing to me. But you have no personal goals. Just no. Nah, I'm more. I just worry about the team as a whole. 
JC, thank you so much for uh, joining us on Pack Center once again. Always a pleasure. Uh, good luck with the rest of your offseason, and we'll probably talk to you again before um, conference play. Yeah, no thank you. I know it's early, but I'm, I am really excited for basketball season. I think these new recruits might bring us to the next level. What do you think, Garrett? Yeah, I think <laughs> – I think that with uh, especially with who we got now, it's starting a wave of like transfers. Like, oh, if you're thinking about transferring, look what Nevada's doing. They brought in, and especially I think it's going to be a great year. We didn't really lose much. Cam over might be big, but I think it's Nevada's taking this next man up approach. Uh, so I think the Martin twins are going to be fantastic. House Cook. I'm, I mentioned, I'm forgetting a few other names, but you look at the big names they've brought in for not this year, but next year, Jazz Johnson, Nizre, our boy Nizre Zuzwa. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think we've, Musselman has definitely started a big dynasty here. And, and I think that instead of actually going after the four-star recruits, he's going after them four-star transfers. Yeah, and I think that's a really good uh, strategy. I don't really like the NCAA rule of players having to sit out a year. There might be some strategy to that. I don't really know. But it, it, it maybe it builds a little bit of anticipation, you know, because we talked about last year. We even talked about the Martin Twins last year and how the anticipation for them to start this year. And now that that, that year is finally here, we just got to wait a couple months for basketball season to start. I'm pumped. It should, be, it should be a very, very fun year for basketball. And they should do very, very well. Well, we're out of time now. So thanks for tuning into Pack Center. I'm your host, Jordan Burns, with Garrett Hirschberg from the Reynolds School of Journalism. Go Wolf Pack! <laughs>